Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now we've got Sweet Lou right in the middle of us here at Winter Weekend. Oh, good to see Lou. Great What's to up, see boys? Lou. How you doing? How you been? You did the whole, like, front office. Yeah. The FA manager. Yeah. It was it was odd that Tom Warner was sitting in Ken's lap <laughs> the whole interview, but it was a... Uh, we had a. I, I have to say, Lou, my biggest takeaway. Yeah. Looking great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, is that your biggest takeaway? That I look great. <laughs> I mean, sadly, that's one of the few positives. Well, he was just at fantasy camp two weeks, right down there. Boy. I just flew home Thursday night. My boys lost a big game today. I was, you know, but good group, good group, a lot of fun. Ooh. A lot yeah, of fun. Jealous. Was Joe Castig out there? Joe was there announcing the lineups. Yeah, it was nice. Meet Trot, Dauber, Mirabelli. Wow. Fun. Yeah, it was beautiful. Trot Nixon. Yeah. Uh, Legend. My favorite Trot line was game seven when he went down in 04. He looks into the camera and he's like, I hope it snows tonight. And then he went out there. <laughs> that guy was the ball. Stone anyway, cold. Um, Craig Breslow yeah. looks like he wants to get off the highway. He, he, <laughs> he, I think he was thrown in and then he sat down right after we had Sam and Tom on. And Sam said that. When I asked about Corey, he said, well, we hired Breslow to be in charge of all that. So that's all Craig Breslow's decision. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, I found uh, Craig to be interesting. And I feel that Alex Cora is as light and as he's, he views, he seems different than last year, whether that was Heim, whether that was who knows what. But I think he seems confident entering a walk year where he'll have many options at the end of it. Yeah, you know, it's as this thing's played out, obviously I think – so things that were said where expectations were a little bit different, right? I mean, I know you guys talked to Tom and, and where everybody thought this offseason was going to go. And I almost feel like Craig Breslow walks in. It's completely different than when Dombrowski walked in, and that was truly full throttle. Like, I am walking in here. I'm trading guys away. We're signing guys. Whereas Breslow's walking in, looking at this organization and saying, you know, and now I feel like this is the way it is, that we're a couple years away. But do you think they – misled Breslow into what he was getting into? Did he know no. the, the restrictions on him? No, I don't, I don't know if they misled Breslow. I think those conversations were private. I think they knew what was going on. The misleading might have come in maybe with the fan base of what we thought was going to happen, you know, including myself. But the way I look at it now is like Breslow sort of walked in and said, okay, you know, you got some guys in double A, triple A. We like the big leaguers, some young big leaguers. This organization, I got like a vision for two or three years. The problem is the fan base is like it's already been four. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so he's walking into a spot where he looks at this team and says, well, they are where they are. You know, we're maybe a couple years away, and everyone's in agreement. Fortunately, you got a fan base that's like, now it's a six-year rebuild. You know, and that's maybe not what I thought they were going to be doing this offseason. But in reality, when you see their actions and now their words here this week, that's kind of the reality, which to me, I don't necessarily agree with it. Because it's almost like you... I got, you got three kids walking around here, Tio, Meyer, and, and Anthony, and it almost feels like you guys have to be good. You know, and if you're not good, I don't know where we go. Like, we're waiting for you. And Meyer struggled last year, yeah, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's like we're waiting for you, and when you guys are great, we'll be ready to go. 
Well, that's awful tough to do, you know, putting a lot of heat on some prospects to go out there, stay healthy, perform, and actually be really good when you first get here. Yeah, and what is always sort of, you know, going back to that fictional conversation, which I think represented some reality at the end of Moneyball when you had Billy Bean interviewing John Henry at, yep. or being interviewed by John Henry at the uh, Fenway there. And what the selling point to Billy was, Billy Bean, was you can find the diamonds in the rough and we can augment that yeah. with the firebrand of this brand, of the fan base and, the, and the, the financial ability that you lack in Oakland. And I just feel like now they're giving themselves such – I remember talking to you last year. It, the, the margin of error yes. is tiny. Yes. And the reason why Boston and New York and Chicago and these, you know, the Dodgers have always been relatively good is that you can fill in the gaps by just throwing money at something when the prospect doesn't materialize. And now I'm sitting back here and it's another year of, okay, if everything goes well, we're at 87. Yeah. And the Red Sox shouldn't be doing that at the highest ticket prices in baseball. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's – you remember like Kansas City a few years back where they had their nice little run with Salvi and they had Gordon and they had Hosmer at first base and it was like, okay, this is a really good team. They went out and they bought in a couple of free agents. They made a run and then they hit free agency and it was like, poof, bye-bye. And then we're going to try to do this again in the A-ball. That, that's what small market teams do, right? They wait for their prospects to come up. They spend a little bit on the fringes because they still can't go crazy. They make a run and when those guys hit free agency, it's over and you restart it again. What big markets do, you always want to develop, have a core, all the great Red Sox teams had cores, you know, um, that won championships. But while you're waiting, you know what I mean? While you're waiting for the double-A, triple-A guys to get to the big leagues, you can supplement that with some big free agent signings. Because, or, or trade for Lowell and Beckett. Yeah, but even then, yeah, yeah, exactly. That team, you know, ready to win. So you do something like that. But, you know, to me, I still look at it and sit there and say, you could sign Jordan Montgomery, like which I still, to this day, like I'm trying to figure out where he's going to go and – you switched why, your why, avatar, though. He was, he was your Twitter picture, and now it's question mark. He was, but then it was like, it's not going to happen, so I took <laughs> it down. But then the longer it goes, I'm just wondering what's going on here. But while you're waiting for some of these prospects, you know, and some of the young guys in your roster to kind of, you know, have that third, fourth year in the league, you, you can supplement it financially. That's the advantage of being a big market team. But that switched. Like in, when Francona left in 2011, he wrote his book. He had in there how infatuated the ownership group was with star power. Yeah. What happened to that? I actually think 11 is a good, good talking point. You know, because remember what happened in 12. They sold them everybody out. You know what I mean? They just they did that big trade with the Dodgers. They got rid of all that money, and it was like very motivated group coming in to win a championship, win another one in 07. And then really 13 was an accident. Yeah. You know, it was almost like, here we go. We're going to rebuild. We got some kids in the minor leagues. And then all of a sudden in 15, 16, rather, when everybody came up, you Bogarts had three years in. You saw Mookie, Jackie, Benintendi. You saw Devers coming. That's when they kind of went all in again because the core was kind of maturing. But I almost wonder, like in 2011, if you if you got burned a little bit, you know, and then here comes Sandoval and Hanley, got burned again. And it's like free agency doesn't work. Uh, you know, I need to be convinced that I need to spend this and put us over the top. Yeah. You know, you had, you had two Hall of Fame GMs convince them to go over the top in Theo and Dave. You know, so now it's like you, sometimes you got to go in there and I think pound that desk and say, we need this guy. Yeah, I, to me, I, I look at the – the timing and the way we had, you know, the front office report every day, every week last year on the Greg Hill show, and it was Brian O'Halloran, and it was the continuing question of refusing to admit that the organizational philosophy had shifted. Yeah. That, that even though everything you were seeing was a shift, there was this fear that somehow admitting that to the fan base would 
actually create more anger when in reality I think the Red Sox fan base, they know Mark Mayer, they know the players in double, triple A, they know who's coming down the pipeline, they know who's the free agent, and it continued this offseason. The self-inflicted messaging wounds, whether it was I can't envision the Red Sox without Xander Bogarts, when they knew they were going to sign Devers over Bogarts, and they should have. Yeah. Like, why do they, with the full throttle, why do they keep doing this? Well, that that's, I mean, the stuff you've been hearing the last day or two if you heard that in october november you would be like okay this is what they're doing they're going to wait another year right and you may not have liked it or agreed with it but you would have known what to expect it's kind of getting your expectations up and then knowing what you may be really going to do and and i just think it's there might have been a thoughts and ideas that they really could have got yamamoto and they really could have got this guy and that guy and everything else and then once they saw the reality of the market they're like yeah we're not going to do that you know what I mean? So, but it's like you shouldn't. That expectation, I think, put a lot on it. If they were just saying what they had said today or yesterday, I think people would have been like not happy about it. You know, because to be honest with you, you they should spend right up to it. Like last year, that two twenty five thing we found out about those eight million wiggle room. You could have went out there and traded for a Jordan Montgomery, and I think stayed in it right to the end, and maybe even snuck into the playoffs. You're eight games over five hundred in August. You know, so that they should creep right up to that number, and then at the deadline determine where they want to go with it. And they're lucky the Yankees were bad last year. This year they yeah. could be good, and it could be it could look even worse. Well, the thing is, is that yeah, the Yankees get Stroman and Soto in the American League. I guess Hader just went to the Astros, but before yesterday, I was like, no one's done anything. Like the Dodgers have done everything, right? You know, yeah. like if you count what the Royals did, but the Diamondbacks have added some guys, but Baltimore nothing, Toronto nothing, Tampa nothing. They lost Glass now, so it's like. Yankees got Soto, and it's it's kind of there, I, you know. But well, I, I always get sucked going. in. So last year, I think I said like ninety wins or something. Curtis was mocking me the whole year. Uh, I believe the opening day of twenty twenty two, you said they were going one sixty two and zero. Well, right, but they were good in the first three innings. Um, so they're going to play the young guys. I'm fine with that. Like as a fan, I want to see the young guys. But are they too reliant, or, or are they too hopeful that these guys are going to take a jump? Like, how good is the young core that's going to play? Yeah, I think the biggest mistake you can ever make is just assume that everyone's going to be just be better. Yeah. Like, well, it's year two, he's going to be better. Well, it's year four, he's going to be better. Well, that's not how it works. I mean, you can go through the history of the game and find out year two, some guys maybe sometimes take a dip. Yeah. Year three, maybe they take a dip. So, um, it's just very thin. Like, Pedro told you last year, Bayo's got better stuff than I do. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I think... I disagree with him. That's just him being <laughs> humble. I think I think Bayo's only we've only just he's only just touched it a little bit. Like he yeah. can be pretty special, and um, I actually think Nick Pavetta is going to be really good. He's a different guy now with that slider, completely different guy. Sweeper, sweeper. But it's just you're relying on everything, right? You're relying on Tristan staying healthy and building off year one, and Bayo building off year year one. Duran was absolutely electric and awesome when he was healthy. Can he do that again? You know, story. That might have been the most surprising part of last It really season. was. Yeah, but I tell you, the most important one could be Trevor Story. Yeah. Like, you know, when he's now where, where this team is right now, and it's just like last year, it's like a lot of things have to go right. Um, and last year, a lot of things actually did. They just sort of got, they just were gassed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and we, Lou, for years, you know, we have fought the, you know, baseball dead. We would get some ratings and, you know, go back and forth with the yeah. football people, Fourier's and all those yeah. guys. <laughs> right now, it feels like the Patriots and the Red Sox are mirror, mirroring one another. Like, it yeah. feels like you've, each organization 
you said the Red Sox are in year four, but the rebuild begins now. The Patriots had four years to rebuild after Brady, but the rebuild begins Very now. Very similar. Both organizations are relying on past wins for trust about what they will do in the future with sort of unknown commodities. And both have a tiny margin of error. You said, Mayor, these guys have to be really good. Everybody sees the third pick. It's like, oh, it's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. Just sign it up. Like, it, Nope. It's overwhelmingly li- likely that it's a mediocre player because that's the crapshoot. So... This organization, when it was really in a battle, which it was with the Patriots and the Bruins and the Celtics, it felt like there was this desire to outdo the other. Now it feels like the malaise has taken over both franchises. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I think they've actually mirrored each other, you know, for a little bit of time, you know, but the Patriots now sort of like, I say bottomed out, but, you know, that's kind of where they're at right now. So it's, um, football's just a different animal, you know, because yeah. you hear it all the time, like, Red Sox fans, you always talk about the ownership is cheap. Ownership is cheap. Right. Meanwhile, Robert Kraft is 31st in cash spending. You know, and, you're like, right. yeah. and you're an a-hole if you say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. That's the difference. Right, right. now it's still def- defending the Patriots, right. and it seems like it's fair game on the Red Sox, which, you know, I-, I understand that. To me, it's like it's passion. Everybody wants them to win. I want them to win. I want them to go out and spend. I just feel like the difference is in baseball, it's, you know, you need a core, but you can go and spend the money. You right. know what I mean? And And – to me, it's like I think they're still at $30, $30 million, and it's like, you know, whether you're talking about trading Jansen, you know, and, and, and if you create the narrative that if you moved on from Jansen, it's just for a salary dump, you know, you can actually go the other way and be like, well, there was some injuries last year. He is getting older, and it's an extremely valuable asset that teams are going to give me something for. And if this is where the organization is right now, and you're talking down the road winners, then what are we doing with four closers in our bullpen? Right. You know what I mean? When a guy like Martin can do it, and Hauk can do it, and others, it's. It's you could move on for him, and it would actually make sense, not just a salary dump. It wouldn't be for that, but you could do it. But they just need innings. They're in the same boat as they were last year. You know, one injury away from somebody having three starters a week again. You know, and it's that's a tough way to live for 162. So I don't think they're done. They're going to add something. I just don't know if it's going to be uh, exactly full throttle. Jordan Montgomery, yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, full Maybe throttle. Just, yeah. All right, now we, have, we should set up an Ask Lou box here from the fans. I got a yeah. fan question for Lou. Is Devers going to play better in the field, or will he be a DH? I mean, he's going to play third. There's no question about it. And, and I think for him, it's time. You know, and I mean, Gore talked a lot about it last year. You know, he went out, I thought last year he went out there for about five or six weeks. I was like, man, he's playing great defense. And then here comes the first error. You know, and, and if a second one comes quick, it turns into five or six in two weeks. And, you know, you're, you're at the point where, you know, he, I think he's actually – I think he's a good third baseman. I just think mentally sometimes when he makes one, he's so hard on himself, and I've, we've all been there where you start questioning and doubting um, that he makes like five or six in two or three weeks. And, you know, you're six years in the league now. You know, mentally that's something he's got to overcome. So for this, for this organization, they need him to be better at third. Defensively, they need him to be better. They need Casas to be better. Range-wise, story will help. Because really that DH spot, you kind of want Masa. You want Yoshida, I believe, you know. 70 games and left, roughly, so he can DH a lot. That was another rough. Boy, he had some awkward moments out there. Yeah, he did. You know, I actually think he's going to be a lot better year two. You know, I think that um, year one is a huge adjustment, huge. You look at a lot of guys. I saw, like, Suzuki out in Chicago that was year one was – year two was much better. I think he'll settle in a little bit and be the good hitter that he is. Defensively, you do what you can do. But if you can limit the games out there and that DH spot kind of have him, I think that will help him too. Last one for me, Verdugo. 
all the stuff we've sort of found out, I think people around the team knew of things that yeah. wasn't out there. How much will that sort of subtraction? Is that addition by subtraction? Is is that a guy that was was a problem? Or no, I, I don't think he was a. I don't think he was a problem. I just think it was more of a frustration of, you know, hey, let's go, get in here on time, you know, and kind of be motivated for six months, not three, you know. So it was probably more of a disappointing thing because. If he was the player that he was in the first half, it sure as hell would have helped in the second. Right. You know what I mean? He was so great at bat, great defensively, really starting everything, getting going. And it, it just, for whatever reason, you know, it was just a lot of stuff kind of behind the scenes. And w- this day and age in sports, when you get benched for not showing up, if you think it's the first or second time right. that's happened, then you're nuts. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? It's probably the fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever it is. Managers, right. they're going to protect you as much as you can. So... And I think Alex said, yeah, hopefully he does well out there in New York. I'm sure he will hit in, between the, in front of those two monsters. Right, in that park. With, with that ballpark, he's going to have a pretty good year. And, you know, it's too bad because you, 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 defensively you were such a bad baseball team that you just traded away your best defender. But you almost felt like you had to, yeah. which is really unfortunate. Well, last, last one. So the Cora thing, back to that. Last year of his deal, Breslow's yeah. responsible, basically, we were told today. It's his call. As a former player, is that going to be an issue in the clubhouse? Like, is it going to be awkward? Is that Will that be a, a storyline all year? I think it really depends on how the year goes. And if it's sort of setting up to be somewhat similar, you know, um, it should be. I think it's a concern, you know. And not just for that either. It's just more of like Cora almost being sitting there saying, okay, it is what it is. Like, I'm going to go out there every single night. I'm going to play who I can. I'm going to pitch who I can. Now, these three guys are down. I'm not going to hurt them. If we go out there and win, we win. If we lose, we lose. We're just short. Or like the you Patriots, know? there were like sources coming out from this side and this side. Yeah, Everybody it's, gets it's, their, you know. He's a manager. He wants to win. He wants his team loaded. He wants three for He wants Yamamoto. He wants Montgomery and Snell on his staff. He wanted to trade for Soto. You're a manager, right? You don't. You just want to win right now. And if, you know, the team starts to struggle, you start to wonder if he's sort of like, I'm not. he'll never quit. He'll always go out there and manage and have that relationship with the players. But at the same point, it's like sometimes you just sit there and a the game starts. Like, all right, this is what we got. You know, we win, we win. We're going to go out there and do our best. but um, And then sort of see what the future holds. So uh, I think he's a great manager. I think what Craig Council signed for, I think it's opened up a lot of managers' eyes. Because you would never see a manager walk, I, I don't think. What good, did he get? Five years, 80, 40 million, eight year, mm-hmm. 80 year. You would never see a very good manager walk into a contract year and personally not really be that concerned about it. He looks because totally you, unconcerned. Yeah, because you know once, you know, whatever. Hey, you either give me the extension. If not, I'm a free agent. And somebody else will. You know, the game is different a little bit because of that money that that Craig Council got. Lou Merloni, everybody. The great Lou. Thank you, Lou. Back with us this year for 70 games on the radio. Yep. Awesome. Nesson as well. Yep. Fort Myers bound again shortly. Gresham Foyer. Yep, and Gresham Foyer every Friday. Yep. We thank you for stopping Good seeing you guys. Good to see you, Lou. Take care. You got it. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.